All right. All righty, guys. You guys, this is, oh my God. <laughs> one bar already? Yeah. Of battery? Oh, fuck. <laughs> You may only get one. We oh, don't even geez. have a name for this podcast. Yeah, yet. I mean, should we come up with a name right now? Well, now there's the pressure of the camera. Yeah, there's a pressure. Um, there's a pressure of the camera and the one bar of. Battery. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to use all this time. Okay. Super. Um, uh, well, I was thinking if Ryan was here, because we wanted to like have Ryan on this, mm-hmm. but we didn't want to do it in the first episode because he didn't care for the FNAF movie. Yeah. So we were like, uh. Out. I was thinking Preston, Ryan, Jake, PRJ, the purge. Purge? <laughs> Popcorn time. We'll put that on the list. I, we can literally just call it the Preston and Jake podcast. That's you true. Know? But then Ryan will come in. Yeah. And later. then we'll just call it the Ryan podcast. Yeah. Preston and Jake. Yeah. <laughs> the first podcast of the Preston and Jake podcast Woo. and today we're gonna just talk about movies basically is the whole dealio mm-hmm. and one movie in particular today yeah one movie five nights Friday nights at Freddy's <laughs> I don't know where to start where should well, we start I, I, I jotted down some notes oh I you know I actually came up with a like kind of like a synopsis just kind of like a no I'll, I came up with one, you know, it has to be like... Alright, so you do know where to start. I guess I do. <laughs> oh, there it is. Part of Josh Hutcherson's crazy addiction to be in movies with children dying. Friday Night at Freddy's. Yep. Um... That was a good synopsis. Thank you. I wrote it down. Yeah, no, I saw that because you were looking at your phone and you tapped it a couple times. Yeah. No, I found it. took me a while to find it. I found it, though. <laughs> All right. You got a synopsis you want to say? Yeah, let me <laughs> pull it up. Did you find it yet? <laughs> I found it. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank God. Uh... So what do you think of the plot? <laughs> <laughs> So we obviously are, are, you know, 2000s kids. We yeah. grew up. Uh, and only 2000s kids will get this reference. Vine? Remember? Do uh, the Harlem Shake? Yeah, remember dabbing? Gangnam style? Remember, remember not witnessing 9-11? <laughs> well, we grew up, obviously, uh, loving. FNAF. At least mm-hmm. I know I have. I don't really know for sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, obviously before this quarter, I, I didn't really play the games and you just still know. didn't. Well, it's um, like, but we, I remember it was like, I don't even know what, I feel like it was like middle school or something when like I went over to my friend's house and he showed me like the first like Five Nights at Freddy's game theory mm-hmm. and it was just based off of it and it was like, ooh. This Ooh. game's based off like a Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> murder. Um, now, all right. now that yeah. that theory was definitely like bringing us every kid in because it was very macabre. It was very like kind of like you know it felt like that early two thousands uh, 
creepy pasta type of mm -hmm. thing. What we all love about the internet is just how you like how there can be a dark side to it, kind of like a campfire. Like, yeah, like it was story. like cryptic yeah. and just kind of eerie. It was more eerie just because of the fact that they're not blatantly saying it. Mm -hmm. And the idea that this video game is based off of like a real life event, yeah, as horrifying as it, that idea, kind of came off as just like a disturbing kind of like yeah. Well, I think it was also just like a fun idea to have something that's like obviously based on Chuck E. Cheese, and it's like a horror spin on Chuck E. Cheese, and you're like, oh, they're getting away with it. Yeah, but it's also like really um, one of the only horror things that we had at uh, media at, that we had as kids, which mm -hmm. like is something that we really lack a lot nowadays. Yeah. We don't have like how Gremlins was kind of like the children's horror movie back in the 80s. Yeah, because it's not like, like explicitly gory, at least the first game. No, and, and it's just more like kind of like our Goosebumps. Yeah. It literally became Goosebumps yeah. with the books. Not to say that we ever read the books, but it was more just no, like... who reads nowadays? Oh, who gives a shit? <laughs> I think we all grew up at least knowing what FNAF was. And, you know, some of us loved it. Some of us loved it more than others, you know. And, but at least everyone knew what Finance of Freddy's was. You would mm -hmm. have, like, even, like, popular kids. Everyone was doing it. It's not yeah. just, like, uh, nerds. But, the, you know, then it became, like, nerds. <laughs> you know, like yeah, a nerd yeah. thing. Like, everything does. But it's like um, drugs. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, it was like the eighties. Mm -hmm. The Fre Five Nights at Freddy's is the it's the cocaine, the cocaine of the modern day. Of the modern day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's like our affiliation. I I love like the theories and everything. It kind of became more like I kind of died out for a little bit. I loved the game theories. I would uh, like I would watch every single one whenever they come out, and then. Mm. I have my own little uh, playlist uh, that is in order, which, mm -hmm. you know, uh, MatPat, figure, <laughs> figure your shit out, man, because all your shit is, like, out of order and scattered. I, I love the, the lore kind of in both the storytelling aspect but also the outside storytelling aspect about how there is kind of, like, this, this funny perspective of just like seeing how a small video game like this blew up in such a yeah there's like well especially i mean i think you will probably know more about this than me but especially considering what scott coffin was doing before where it was just like weird little christian games that no one really <laughs> yeah. liked yeah that well that's kind of what started it where they they everyone saw like wh what was it called uh chipper and sons that mm -hmm. was his video game they saw the design of chipper in mm -hmm. his sons and they, and they hated it because it looked it reminded them of like creepy animatronics and then he was just kind of like all right fine you want to see some fucking creepy animatronics he made that mm -hmm. and then the rest is history you know and uh i mean it's just such an interesting kind of idea of like how something with a pretty good uh story as well as really good what means of storytelling can also have an outside view of of like how the story around that can also be good. And that's kind of what was really attractive to me for like Finance of Freddy's. It's so interesting that it, um, that it like got, like it, I feel like they did everything except the movie and then a movie. Yeah. Like they did, there was the games first and then there was books 
And then VR game, and then, yeah, Yeah. then they have, like, an anthology book series, Mm -hmm. as well as, like, um, like, VR, AR, they did all the different media. to, like, a not less official extent, there's, like, it also got popular because of the songs. They got songs, yeah, it's not official, but it, that's also another thing that's really great about Finance of Freddy's, is this is kind of, like, the one franchise that is so welcoming of just outside portrayals of like of like fan fan created things and like Scott Cawthon even like um wanted to push like fan games more by giving them money before the movie came out we we uh, played every single game well not every single game we didn't play the AR game right or the three games that he came out with that are like to beat cancer one to beat cancer, another to apologize that the the security breach didn't come out in time, oh, yeah, yeah. and then the other one was just like in prep for the movie, and we didn't play those games. Yeah, we wore purple. I I, I held a phone, uh, a purple phone. Yeah. And I had a, a little security badge right here, playing uh, the purple guy, but the purple guy back when we thought he was the phone guy, and. In case of the movie, in the case of the movie, it turns out the purple guy is the phone guy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing, Jason? Have you seen the movie? Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, well. I've, I've played... You're gonna get some major spoilers. Sorry about that, buddy. I think I played like the fourth game. Oh, Dude, the fourth. That's the that's the spookiest one. That's the spookiest one. I think that's the one I played. So, I think. Well, we should start talking about the movie first mm-hmm. and foremost. Is the the odd controversy of how everyone hates it that we yeah. just don't understand. Does everyone hate it though? I mean, that's what I don't understand. Is that everyone seems to hate it to me, but that's only because also I hate. This is a side note. Um, I found this pen in, uh, in my history class, and I don't know if it's from. Child Protective Services? Well, what does CPS stand for other than that? I don't know. It seems to me like a lot of people hate it, but that's only because, you know, hatred speaks louder than, than love, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we need a lot more love in the world. You know, we need to get together. We should, do, yeah. Listen, I, I hate things every now and then. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I hate movies. At least no, I, yeah. But it's like, I don't know, I, sometimes I just, I can't stand some people's, like, gripes for movies. Because sometimes their gripes just don't make any fucking sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm like, I, that, that's something you dis- disliked. The fort scene from FNAF is the only thing you disliked about the movie. And because of that, you just hate the movie. Like, that's what we should talk about. This is a fort scene. Right, well, I have fort scene in prose. That's definite prose. Because when we watched that movie... And we were, <laughs> we were that like... That was a scary scene. That was, a, that was the scariest scene in the whole movie because you didn't know. We didn't know if it was going to be yeah. like, this is where the movie just shits the bed. Yeah, because everyone the in the suck. theater was just like, what? Yeah. I think <laughs> what I was, is this? Well, because it, it wasn't like... I, I wasn't immediately going, like, getting angry about it. I, no. My mind was, this movie was pretty solid up until now. And they're going to jump the shark for the rest of the movie. And it's going to be hilariously yeah. bad. 
It's so why not enjoy yeah. how much they really made an odd decision here? <laughs> it's either you, you, you're gonna, we're gonna love it because of how bad it is, or we're going to love it because of how good of a decision that. And because it been. seemed like it was going in the direction of all the we are FNAF memes. Yeah, <laughs> the we yeah no it's like it because leading up to the movie everyone was just like so scared of just shit like. All right, Faz gang. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to spring this trap kind of memes. They were all scared of that shit. And then, like, it literally almost happened. Yeah. And that was what was the scariest part of this horror movie. <laughs> it was, wasn't this jump scares or any gore or anything. The scariest part was the ability, like, the possibility <laughs> that this could have failed. Yeah. It would have been the worst fucking movie ever. And the thing is, is that... If you, and a lot of people love to do this, mm -hmm. is if you take that scene and you just kind of post it on the internet mm -hmm. and leave it by itself without ever showing anything else in the movie, you can easily just kind of turn the story to be like, this is the worst movie ever. Yeah. You know, Peter Parker's walking down the street dancing, you know, to the ladies and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's so cringy. I hate this movie, blah, blah, blah. You bring up that one individual scene, everyone's going to hate the whole movie for mm -hmm. that. When... That scene is like in, in Spider-Man Three is like controversial take, guys. Um, I love that scene it's because a scene. it's a great scene because it, it. I understand it's cringy, but like that's the whole point. Is that Sam Raimi, Emma Tammy, you know all these these directors, all the me's, all the me's, yeah, me. All these directors love it's me. <laughs> all these directors love to uh, to like have a scene where it's cringy, you mm -hmm. know, because when you're make when you're making a movie, you want to get an, a certain emotion emotion out of people in every scene. You want a different emotion, but you also want it to be kind of like in the same area of emotion as the rest of the movie. Um, and when it came to like something like Spider-Man 3, we wanted to they wanted to show us what Peter Parker, a dork, a nerd would be like with Venom taking mm -hmm. over his body and making him like become a badass cool dude and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it, and it was like, and it's really comedic because of the fact that like Peter Parker's not supposed to be cool, no. you know? And they wanted to be like, what would a, a nerd think is cool? So then they make a scene like that. And also it has a lot to do with the fact that like Venom wasn't even like a foresight for, for Sam Raimi. He didn't even yeah. want to do something like that. But he, he definitely adapted it to his... Well, Sam Raimi knows how to do, like, the best at, he's the best at kind of, like, horrible scenarios, knows how to, like, uh, make the most of it, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's, like, why he's one of my favorite directors, is because he, he really has always been in so many bad scenarios, and gets so many, so much hate for, like, some of my favorite movies, like, Army of Darkness and Spider-Man 3, when really those are, like, the most fun, because they have these really comedic parts of it, you know, that, it, that serve a purpose, in the in the overall arc of the story, you know, Ash mm -hmm. can't be Ash without being a dutz and, and, and a or no a putz and a dunce. I I, I can I I can yeah. You know what? That's it. Because that's you know that's that's the character and that's the whole point of Evil Dead is like the comedic value of like having a character that isn't a badass be the badass of a movie. And when it came to something like Five Nights at Freddy's with the fort scene, the fort scene was so controversial because it's like, I can't believe they're doing this cringe-ass thing, when really it serves such a great purpose for the story, making the the child 
want to be a part of this raising the stakes more mm -hmm. because now that the child is involved with the other animatronics and now the stakes are going to be higher because yeah. these animatronics could kill her mm -hmm. it makes the story actually progress and you know goofy things like that happen in all the most serious things all the time you know and like I don't know like Stephen King could like usually does goofy ass shit like that in his books yeah. and he doesn't get shit at all like yeah because I, I feel like I, th I don't think the because it in the context of the movie it feels like just a natural plot point like have them be friendly and goofy with them and then that will just make it more scary when they turn against them and they could they're chasing after them they're gonna get them yeah and but I, so I feel like if this movie wasn't associated with prior IP, prior games and stories and stuff, no one would care about the fort scene. Yeah, but also it kind of proves just how fake of fans a lot of these people who say that they're fake fans, fake fan over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I played the fourth game. Yeah. Turns out it's the third. <laughs> don't understand that FNAF is kind of a joke mm -hmm. and that's what is so lovable about it at this point you mm -hmm. know and a lot of campy things always turn out to be a joke after a while like my favorite franchises are horror franchises that always kind of divulge into being comedic later yes I love Chucky I love Evil Dead and I love FNAF because of these reasons mm -hmm. and I mean there are almost every single like long-running horror franchise turns yeah at least that. yeah it they'll they'll turn into like a and then they'll try to like freddy jason kind of thing exactly and, and they'll always try to go back to being serious but it's kind of like you know you kind of have to appreciate just the the silliness because the the fact that the franchise is living that long mm -hmm. kind of deserves to be like you know uh made a farce at that point a lot of people nowadays, especially kids who are going to see these movies, have not been to a Chuck E. Cheese. Or at yeah. least a Chuck E. Cheese that has the animatronics. And so I feel like if you just, it initially just kind of introduces them as scary characters. But if they're just scary characters, like they're less interesting than being friendly images turned into scary characters. Yeah. So I think if you if you already knew like the parallels to the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, you get that friendly characters yes. to scary characters. But if you haven't done that, then seeing them as friendly characters, going to scary characters makes them more interesting. Yeah, it's the it problem that mm -hmm. I keep on talking about. Yeah. Um, what makes it so scary is the contrast from being a friendly clown into being a horrifying monster. Mm -hmm. And the reason why people find clowns so scary is because of it. And what happened in the new It movie is that they made It, as a clown, a very horrifying design. Yeah. Which makes it... He looks like a scary clown. Yeah, and it's kind of like, what would be so appealing for... Georgie to even want to approach that clown mm -hmm. being that he's already in a gutter like that's already a pretty bad scenario Yeah, but you at least want to make him a little bit of appealing for kids because that's mm -hmm. the whole point that Stephen King was getting by is just yeah, like and I, I feel like the Tim Curry one was Properly goofy as a clown. It was properly good. It has a lot of problems yeah. that, that original one, but um 
he at least they at least understood what the clown was there for mm -hmm. and that's a problem that a lot of people don't really understand with horror movies i feel is that chucky cannot be chucky without being a doll mm -hmm. there's a comedic value to it and they indulge in that comedic value later on and in, in later on in the series but um chucky is as scary as he is because there's a contrast between being a lovable doll that everyone wants to wants to have all these kids want to have a good guy doll uh or a nice guy doll or is it good guy or not other guys i'm a fake fan the appeal is what draws the child in and then they kill the child which is what's mm -hmm. so horrifying about it and that is basically the basis of the fnaf games and what was so appealing to the fnaf games was that these are a bunch of kids who grew up with Chuck E. Cheese. And now that they're hitting a much larger audience with the movie, there's less people that know about Chuck E. Cheese. They, mm. There's less people who even have... Uh, because Chuck E. Cheese, they don't do the animatronics anymore. It's either... It's just screens. They, they do? Yeah, it's just it's just screens or nothing. Or they, like they barely have a band anymore. Or it's just one guy in a Chuck E. Cheese Wait, suit. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. If, I mean, I've only been to one Chuck E. Cheese. And it was... When you were a kid? No, it was like literally like last... <laughs> it was last quarter. I was just checking out, you know, what it was like. Yeah. You know? No, it was literally last quarter. Um, yeah. Went to... Because there's one here. And so I went to go check it out. I was like, people love... People really love Chuck E. Cheese. I've never been. Mm -hmm. um, I'll check it. Like, I've been to Chuck E. Cheese style places. Yeah. Where it's just like games and stuff and pizza. Yeah. But I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese. And then I went there and I was like... Yeah, it's all right. Well, it's probably because they didn't have the animatronics. Yeah, they don't really... I feel like it's... Fucking... The animatronics is what sells the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So I looked it up. They stopped using the animatronics for a time, but they recently brought them back because of Five Nights at Freddy's. Whoa. Well, there's that, that thing that was uh, being so, uh, like, on the nose. Yeah. So stealing. creepy, though. Well, they were, they were, they were being on the nose stealing... Just Five Nights at Freddy's since the movie was coming out. Yeah, yeah. well, that's that's the original lineup. Yeah, I, yeah dude, I, that's. I didn't really care when Chuck E. Cheese was doing that though. I mean, it's because it's, it's just obvious. they're poking fun at people, poking fun at them. I know, so it's like <laughs> who gives a shit? But yeah. like, yeah, that was kind of a thing where they they were coming out when the movie was coming yeah. out with this Halloween bash. I feel like they should just lean more into it. Honestly. I know they really should. I remember watching the very beginning. Like, the tone it has, it already a very classic horror film type of tone. It's very uh, slow-moving, very, like, indulgent in the atmosphere, while also kind of not being too, uh, like, too, you know, crazy with uh, the, the cinematography and, and everything. It's very simple and very clean-cut, especially with the storytelling, just kind of being, like going by the beats that every horror movie, at least in the 80s, kind of follows. And mm -hmm. they did such a great job at, yeah. at being a classic horror film. It, it felt like I was watching another 80s movie. Well, I mean, that's that's what they were going for. I mean, like, yeah. I, I was watching just, like, a little behind the scenes, like, and she said, like, yeah, we're going for an 80s vibe. And it, well, it was more in relation to, like, why they chose to do, like, all practical animatronics instead of like yeah. CG. But you can see but in the cinematography how it's, <laughs> you can see in the cinematography how it's kind of like, the color grading isn't too specific on like, ooh, we want it to be like 
uh, a certain like color grading uh, kind of umbrellaing umbrellaing the whole movie where mm -hmm. it's like it's all very green or very blue you know yeah. kind of cold or something they were just kind of going rec 709 obviously it was it's like this big ip mm -hmm. and they knew that going in but it still felt like a low budget movie yeah and i don't know if that's because all the money went into the animatronics but yeah. it felt low budget, which still, which I think reinforced the feeling of FNAF because that first game is very low budget. The whole idea of FNAF is yeah. kind of like low budget thing, very indie yeah. projects becoming huge IPs. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, we need to start back to the basics of what made FNAF FNAF. Everyone was expecting so much from this movie. Yeah. And I'm happy I wasn't I wasn't uh, getting a lot from it. I expected a lot. I was kind of like, oh, what if this happened? We were having a whole yeah. like discussion with the friends that we brought uh, when we went to the pizza place mm -hmm. before we went. Um, but we were having a whole discussion about like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And then it just like it didn't happen. But that's not a detriment. That that kind of went to the benefit of the movie mm -hmm. most definitely mm -hmm. because we need to have a simple movie. And they need to just, and Scott Cawthon needs to focus, because he's not a, a film writer or anything, he needs to focus on just how to make the most solid movie that he can. And all you have to do is just really just buy or just find a PDF of Save the Cat and mm -hmm. just follow the beats that they say to follow. And you just do that, find out what, you, what kind of movie you're making, follow all the beats of the story, of the story in film mm -hmm. and the certain timestamps. He did it. It's like super solid. Mm -hmm. Things that were set up in the beginning have a great payoff in the end. Mm -hmm. They follow a three-act structure, each thing. It's like, that's all you need, especially for a movie that is trying to like kind of come into the film industry. But because of who everyone is nowadays, they expect... Kids these days. Kids these days. They expect grand scale like cinema and they want to be like wowed to a degree of like Mad Max, Fury Road, and yeah. Drive, or some sh shit like that. And it's like, I love those movies, don't get me wrong. I mean, these are great movies, but like, they, I... They wanted more cars in the movie. They wanted it to be like <laughs> Mad Max and Drive. But it's like, I, I, you need, I think people need to like, it's not a problem for the movie. For the movie. Yeah. Because you're just looking at it in your own perspective. I think you need to, it's, it's definitely a problem of the audience. They need to kind of like understand that like it, they're not going to be pleased as much as they want to, you know? Yeah. And we, we understand that kind of stuff. You know, we kind of find joy in, in like any and type of genre. It's just about appreciating it for what it is, not hating on it because it's not what you expected it yeah. to be. Appreciating for what it is, but not hating on it for what it's not. Yeah. I was just cleaning up your... Oh, okay. I have my gripes about the ending since the ant doesn't really like do any... Like the ant just kind of disappears and yeah. there's no like reason. Like, it's just like, what the freak, you know? I'm trying what to the frick, man. My, my... That's a, that was my exact quote in the theater. That's like a, a pretty big issue. It was kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. I have like one scene of like, of uh, Josh Hutcherson and the the sister kind of like, you know, playfully just like burying the body or something. Yeah. Like, I, like if they re if they resolve it in the second one, then, I, then it's going to be fine. Like it's such an easy fix that mm -hmm. it's not something that's bothering me too much. But while watching it and you come out and you're just like, no one was asking anything about all the people that died. 
No, nothing yeah. like I mean, that I entire understand. group of people disappeared and nothing really happened. And then this aunt dies in her home, or in not in her home, in yeah. Josh Hutcherson's home, a person who she's ha- known to have conflict with. Exactly. <laughs> nothing There's, happens. That's going to create something wrong. Yeah. Like some, something, some issue in the plot. Yeah. Like if they do that in the second one. If there even is a second one. There's got to be a second one. I wish. I hope. No, I think they're already in pre-production for it. Okay. Because well, I mean, we we're. I mean, we we're talking about it when the camera was off. But the movie made a ton of money. It made its budget back in yeah. pre-sales alone. Even and also, it's making tons of money for also being a movie that's on Peacock. So yeah. it's double successful. Oh, it it, it is really successful. So they're definitely gonna do a second one. They're definitely going to do it. I just I hope that it's not a, an issue of like oh the first movie sucked we're not gonna watch the second one kind of thing. I hope it's an issue of just or not an issue but like a scenario where it's like the first movie sucked but we still gotta watch the second one. Yeah, kind of and I, I I'd rather like, have especially it be because of how much of a phenomenon this movie coming out was without even like yeah without even like the pre-sales being like yeah. making up for it all like, and you yeah. just see memes about it everywhere yeah it's like, like it's there's there's gotta be they know i mean they they made a meg too they're, they, they're making a meg too no they made a meg oh, oh not I you megan meant, i thought you meant mithrigan yeah no they made they made a the meg too the meg to the trench and that's only because it made a lot of money yeah yeah it's like they're not actually looking at like who like I, who likes it or not yeah obviously am i in the shot J- jason am i Right, Obviously, cool. I just, yeah. am I in the center though? No. Are you I'm the center of attention? Yeah, turn the camera. I'm just, I'm just scared because I want there to be a second one, yeah. really badly. Well, okay. How many do you want there to be? I want there. Do to you be... want there to be like one for each game? No, I want there to be three, but I do want them to kind of skim over a lot of the games. Yeah. Because, like we said, well, because this one does a lot of just the third game. Kind of. Well, the third of game the stories. Yeah, of the uh, the mini games, right? Yeah. I just want to see him because the whole plot is that Michael is, you know, trying to undo all the mistakes that his father has done. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Michael Schmidt from this movie is the same Michael from, like, from the games, since there's Michael Afton and there's Michael Schmidt. It, it, you know, I don't know for sure. But I would like to see Josh Hutchinson's kind of be the lead, because he did a really great job. Yeah, with this no, movie. he was good in this movie. He was very stoic. I I understand like he didn't really do a lot, but again, like we were saying, how like small little things of like, it's like Gestalt, the Gestalt theory. How it's kind of like they don't give you the full information, mm-hmm. but you can understand, you can fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they don't give that much information from this guy, but you can fill in the blanks just by like tiny things that they set up in the beginning, how he treats his sister, uh, his sister how he treats other people, mm-hmm. you know, who, you know, and how he deals with scenarios and, and his origins, you know, about how his brother was taken. And he's very stoic. It's, it's, it's very quiet, you know, and he does a pretty good job at that because although you don't really want your character to be like a, a blank slate, you do kind of want there to, you know, if you do, if, if it fits the movie being a blank slate, then, you know, you just need to know how to, like, set that up and do mm-hmm. it right. I mean, shit, uh, like, uh, Clint Eastwood's character in all the, the 
like good, bad, and ugly, and fistful of dollars or whatever the, you know, I don't know the other ones, but a few you know. dollars more. A few dollars yeah. more, exactly. Like the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah, the Man with No Name trilogy. He's it's literally called Man with No Name because he's just a stoic character, but he's lovable because he has the charisma and the stoicism that that um. Clint Eastwood knows how to like execute really well, mm-hmm. and Josh Hutchinson did a really great job with what he like with that stoic kind of character. I would have liked more, but like that's kind of why we want there to be more movies. Is like yeah. you don't want to have you don't want to show too much in the first movie. Yeah, I feel like my my wish my dream dream scenario um, would be <laughs> like four four movies. Mine is just I always am like. Either you go big or you go home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's like either you do the basic trilogy format. Because always, I always love the trilogies. Yeah, you know, trilogies I feel like you a, could tell the full story in a trilogy. Yeah, I think that's a perfect amount of movies for any movie series. It's either you do the basic trilogy or, depending on the franchise, you go all out and you just fucking produce movie after movie well yeah and just like shit it all out you know i feel like if they wanted to i feel like you could do a trilogy if you wanted to stop at like kind of what this story that they have rolling right now but if you want to like kind of diverge into some of the other stuff that the games have set up i feel like four or five you could start getting into more interesting stuff like that yeah and i mean like i said about like it depends on the like the franchise and mm-hmm. I mean it already kind of has that franchise yeah with the games so I mean if they want to keep you know unless they want to make the movies just kind of more the uh, very sophisticated end of the franchise mm-hmm. then I think they should just keep it a trilogy but if they want to just kind of go back into the wackiness of the video games mm-hmm. I don't know that's all up to them I I personally think that um, I think either would be I would be happy with either one because mm-hmm. I already love the the franchise as as it is, and if they were to just kind of like throw it throw shit to the fan and just like fucking destroy this, yeah. this franchise, it would be entertaining in that way. But also, I would like to see it kind of stay in a be a a, a trilogy. Since I had the idea that like the second one should follow the the very. Uh, the you know the trilogy format of just like the very bleak ending mm-hmm. at the end of the second one like how empire strikes back ends that way you know it's just it's every it's, trilogy that's the thing it's just that's a thing you'd have to do mm-hmm. you know like every trilogy has to end with or no every second movie of the trilogy has to be like the peak of the of the movie series and yeah. seen as like probably the best one but it always ends on a like kind of a cliffhanger yeah, it's, trilo- it's like kind of like the darkest no. There's movie series that you don't have to do that. Like, I feel like with, like, an Indiana Jones or, I don't know, like a Harry Potter where it's just, like, I mean, Harry Potter has a long-running story. Yeah. But it's, like, it's like a very distinct adventure each time. Yeah. But I feel like this one, it's definitely, especially because of just Five Nights at Freddy's being Five Nights at Freddy's, there's the big extended story, big lore... And so I feel like each one, each one of these, instead of feeling like uh, just a solo one-note adventure, has to feel like a chapter Yeah. in a larger well, story. That's the thing, is like Harry Potter is kind of just still following the trilogy 
so is every movie. They're always following kind of the trilogy format. It's just more the second movie is kind of spread into and chopped up into yeah. like a bunch of movies. You, you kind of get more of the cliffhangers once you get to like... The like, yeah, like ending. Half-Blood Prince and then yeah. Deathly Hallows Part 1. Yeah, that's like that's where you have the big cliffhanger, mm-hmm. darkest moment. And I, I, I think you can definitely do that with Freddy... You can do that. You can do that, or just have a regular trilogy. You can make the second one just kind of like they're just kind of having. It's a montage of a movie where they kind of go to all the different uh, Freddy Fazbear's joints, and you have like a scene where they go to like this place and they go to this place, and the whole movie's more about like him just trying to catch up and and kill uh, William Afton, mm-hmm. you know. But William Afton's like being chased, and he's just kind of like. Every step he takes, William Afton's a step ahead of him, and he's just. I think that you can do that with the second movie, and then have a big ending where he reveals that he's his son. It would be a big twist, basically paralleling everything of Star Wars, because that's just like a great trilogy, a very solid trilogy to be going off of. Um, and they can do that, or they can just do like anything else. I, I'm just kind of like I just. I think I'm less. Uh on board with the going to different locations ideas. Oh, really? Just because I feel like that brings back memories of uh, Ocean's 12. (laughs) When the first one, they do the big heist, and then in the second one, they're doing a bunch of little heists. And it just feels flatter as a movie. I think, well, it's just more like, it's more like you you do like, you're doing like tiny little things just more like as nods to the games, Mm -hmm. you know? And then you have a big one at the end of the second movie, you mm-hmm. know, and you have like this big kind of like uh, grand scale kind of like thing. It's like, this is the, this is it. You know, it could probably end with like sister location where it's like they go down into the to the underground and there's just this big like kind of like uh, set set that's just like, you know, it's like you, you came to my lair, you know, William Afton's just like, you caught me at my lair, you know, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like caught at a, a dead end and they're like cornering him and you know i was thinking like he just drops the ball just like i'm your father you know mm-hmm. and then that could just like kind of go along with the dream theory uh theme in this movie mm-hmm. where it's kind of like then that just unlocks a part of his brain that he like kind of hid you know and he starts having like a seizure or something he's like oh shit he's my dad or something like you know it's <laughs> like yeah like, oh god he, oh, I, oh shit, my god he's my dad abby <laughs> turns out to be like a robot and she's just like uh, Michael, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And then like William's just like, oh shit, you know. And she like he opens up her back, and there's like some like double A batteries <laughs> in there. And he's just like, he's like, ah shit, we gotta like take these out. Accidentally hits like Spanish mode, like with buzz. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third movie, they just like go back in time to the Western days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's they like, go. They or go it's back like and- a steampunk kind of. Clockwork animatronics. <laughs> no, they go back in time to like when William Afton was a little kid and he saw like the first show of like a talking bear. Mm-hmm. You know, like just kind of like or a those... talking beaver, chipper, chip. He, he sees like some type of show like that that inspires him to go into the animatronics mm-hmm. fields. Uh, all the the um, the theory that game theories like timeline, which is what they came mm. up with. They said that William Afton like saw that during the Great Depression or something when he was a little kid. <laughs> he's like, let's watch these like, he's like bears. Break!
were we last time? What were we talking about before Jason ruined the flow? Ooh, I gotta go home. <laughs> um, Jason, we love to have you back. This is, that was a lot of fun. Um, I miss Jason. How about now? Is that good? Yeah. But I feel like I need to talk more into it like this. Should we just do the whole podcast like... Dude, you're such a silly goose. Stop. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate the Vanessa character, but uh, I just feel like her character was just weird. Just acted weird. Was a bad cop. She uh, was a horrible <laughs> cop. Like, I was expecting them to reveal that she, like, wasn't actually a cop. Yeah. I w- but they didn't. Like, I mean... She just takes movies to worry about. Yeah, like she just, she spends all of her time in this pizzeria. It's either she spends her time in this pizzeria or taking this guy's medication and throwing it into a river. (laughs) She, she, no more sleeping Mr. Mike. It's like, out of all the characters who are, like, if we have any complaints about them being blank slates, surprisingly, it's not Josh Hutcherson's no, character. No, he It was, was kind of hers. Yeah. Well, and I just, I feel like her character was kind of not very consistent. Yeah. Especially at, like, well, I mean, like, she has, like, not in the sense that, like, she has, like, her character flip at the end where she's like, I'm going to be a good guy now. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear me. And I can hear you. All right. Well, then then you can hear it. We're the only two people in the room. (laughs) Jason's Um, still here to hear it. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, it was just that, like, it was, like, kind of like that one scene or, like, where she's, like, she participates in Fortnite. She participates in the fort scene. And then, like... Well, she's also kind of, like, buying into the whole delusional, like... Yeah. See, we're having fun. But then she switches in, like, I don't know if it's the next scene or whatever, when she's just, like... When they're outside in the parking lot, she's like, if you bring Abby back here, I will shoot you. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like, she's like almost like the bipolar character yeah. in this. Um, and it felt like, like, I don't know what her whole deal was. I liked mm-hmm. how in the beginning, uh, when we knew her, and she showed, you know, she was like kind of introducing Freddie in the, in the gang, and she just did the, press the showtime button, and it was like, you could kind of see like there was like a childish kind of like, aren't they beautiful? Isn't mm-hmm. it amazing? And I like that. And then they kind of go into that a little bit more where she has kind of a living, like her delusion as a child has kind of lived on into her uh, adult life. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows that in the Fortnite scene where she's kind of like, you know, buying into the whole Abby and, and, and the friends just having a little fun Fortnite while the only person who wasn't having fun was was Josh Hutcherson's yeah. character, and um, that was like some characteristic I liked. And then that was that was it, though. They didn't really do anything with that characteristic of um, like how she really likes these animatronics. That could have been kind of like a, I don't know. That it could have played a good part in the whole finale. You know how uh, Abby's character played a big part in in uh, her drawings are what caused the the kids in the end to revolt against about uh, against Springtrap and then Michael's character kind of uh being more like the father figure just kind of led to that happening I felt like there could have been more coming out of Vanessa's character to to kind of 
have the ending be a little bit more punctual. But other than that, it, yeah, she's just a blank slate. Man. Yeah, no, like I don't think her character was horrible, but it was just I don't know. Like I liked her. Yeah. It's just like some of the things that she did and said just didn't really track. We all know that the games, when it came to the games of, fine, you know, the finites of Freddy's games, they definitely didn't have the whole story planned out. And then over time, they figured out what they liked about the story and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the the movie is just kind of Scott Cawthon's like, after seeing everything that worked and what didn't work with the video games, this is basically what he thinks is the the best canon. Yeah, I think he's. Games. I think it's a lot of just cherry picking, like the the best bits, and then changing them. Just yeah, I think it's definitely a hindsight kind of thing. Like I wonder if this is what he would have made just the game canon. Yeah, if, knowing if that it like yeah. where it would be going, what mm-hmm. he would want, and all that stuff. That seems like what the movie is or at least what the movie series is gonna try to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I hope to see the uh, to see other movies because mm-hmm. of that reason. I wanna see more of just like what he thinks is a proper answer. For PG-13, my mom went and I, I told her, I'm like, yeah, there's really like barely any gore, but that's mm-hmm. like based off of the fact that I'm like kind of like a desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. But she went and she said like, yeah, what are you talking about, dude? There's like... It was, it was like, spooky. There was scary face ripped off yeah there's like bits of face just like teeth marks from Mm. the cupcake on there and then there was also just like a literal scene where a a girl just gets chomped in half it's like pg-13 horror and it did really like it like i didn't think you know it's it's, it was really great and and fascinating in the sense where how far can you go with pg-13 horror Mm -hmm. and i always like I always get like, um, like, uh, I'm gonna have to cut this uh, dead, dead, dead space out, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So with PG-13 horror, they there's always like a weird fascination to me how every time I watch it, there's always like a, a new like refreshing, like, oh my God, I can't believe you can get away with this mm-hmm. in a horror movie. Yeah. And that happened with like Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised with Multiverse of Madness and like Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. 3. It felt like, am I like, are we allowed to watch this? And it's not even that bad. I just, I'm more just kind of like thinking about the fact that my mom would be like super displeased with this, you (laughs) know? Like she would watch this, bring her kids in, and it's like, I can't believe this This is PG 13, blah, blah, blah. But it's like the thing is, is that PG 13 has become like so low. Mm-hmm. With with what they're using it for, yeah, I think PG thirteen needs to like kind of like. I feel like we're in an age where people are starting to you push the limits of that rating. Yeah, and, and now R ratings are kind of like becoming the new PG thirteen mm-hmm. because PG thirteen was it kind of started out with you know pretty uh, pretty like um, not like scary but like pretty you know adultish themes going on. But that's mm-hmm. why they had it is because you. You know, there's a really weird mid ground between something that like can be sold to both 
uh, children and adults. Yeah. Like what did it? What was the first PG thirteen movie again? It was wasn't it like Temple of Doom? Well, no, but Temple of Doom was the inciting incident for the <laughs> PG thirteen yeah. rating because it's it's a fun adventure movie, but then you have a guy's heart getting ripped out. Yeah, and no, people are like, a, I don't know, if it should be just PG. Yeah, no, they were like they were really thinking about making that R. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that was a big thing, but I don't remember and what was the movie like the first movie. I don't know what the first because. I think also the first Gremlins had something to do with it. Gremlin, yeah, no, that's like a again like the childhood uh, horror films. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a big issue is the fact that a lot of horror films coming out now have to be R, and whenever they're PG thirteen, they suck. I remember I was watching Red Letter Media and they were talking about the new movie Cobweb, which really great movie, really great horror film, and they were mm-hmm. talking about how it's like very like very tame for a PG, uh, an R-rated horror film. And they were saying it should be PG-13 mm-hmm. because that was kind of like on the edge of like what you can and can't do for PG-13. The only thing I was keeping it R-rated was because they said like the F word more than twice. And that's like such a stupid reason, mm-hmm. like rewrite it or something like that because- Just Say frick. Yeah, what the freak? <laughs> you know, I would love to see more R or PG-13 rated horror films because that's well one thing it's more marketable so it's better for like uh you know franchises and you know you can get a lot more money Mm -hmm. off of pg-13 movies compared to r but another thing is just like i i think we as a society need to have like some things that kind of grab the youth into that little like a horror universe in a William Afton fashion, exactly grabbing the youth. Well, we need to grab the youth in a in the fashion where we're in a way where we're bringing them into this horror universe because I think horror is kind of revered as like horror, mm-hmm. but like you know, I'm not saying you have to get rid of like extended horror, you know, the new wave of horror films, but I'm just saying like it it it, it definitely helps to have something like Gremlins. Gremlins was such a a beautiful mm-hmm. uh, way to like bring in another group of, uh, of um, like a you know bring in another wave of horror fans. Yeah, see who like you know bring kids into this world, and you know we had that us, but I don't think anyone in this generation has has that because we had until like until now. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. Man. Five well, Nights at Freddy's. Well, we had Five Nights at Freddy's. We had Monster House. We had a bunch of other mm-hmm. like kind of. We were kind of like on the edge of like a great generation before us that kind of understood that like, you know, you need to get a little bit dark for kids. You mm-hmm. don't have to be all happy-go-lucky all the time. And and I love that about our our generation being the last ones to like yeah. experience it, but. No, our generation is the best. And uh, the next way. generation is soft and bad. And then the uh, the previous generation is um, they're a bunch grouchy. of yeah. They're all grouchy and, and they're they're a bunch of boomers, dude. Yeah, they're a bunch of boomers and millennial freak hipsters, man. Yeah. So we are the perfect generation. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I definitely believe like because I get I I get I get into some like debates with my mom about like because she's a teacher and she believes that um, 
like you know certain kids at a certain age don't like shouldn't be exposed to certain mm -hmm. like things at a really young age and stuff and like I understand that like at a really really young age but like there there comes up a certain point where you need to like start showing your kids some like some scary stuff because because yeah. Halloween like we love Halloween oh my god speaking about generations mm -hmm. our next generation is gonna hate Halloween yeah well they don't I mean people don't trick-or-treat anymore I don't see any and that has a lot to do with you know we were, you were talking about how like it has a lot to do with uh, COVID but yeah well there's there's COVID there's trunk or treat, and then there's the the concept, which I had like one, I think one friend that did this as a kid, but I think it's getting more popular. It's the concept of the switch witch. Switch witch? What the it's hell is It's where this? you take your candy that you got and you give it to the switch witch, and then <laughs> you get like a present or something instead. What the fuck? Who, what, yeah. what, what? incel parent came <laughs> up with this horrible idea yeah no it's weird you need to get okay this the is the point of halloween is going door to door <laughs> getting candy and eating said candy yes the, this is this is the whole problem about like parents and in like disney world when you go to disney world you have to just do whatever your kids say mm -hmm. and it sucks because you're going to be wasting all your money but that's the reason why you only need to go to disney world like once every like 50 years you know <laughs> yeah. you don't go to disney world like every day or some shit mm -hmm. because that's going to be wasting your money all the time and you're going to be one of those parents who are just dragging their kid around it's like come on we gotta go on the fucking dwarves ride or something yeah. I know why I'm <laughs> you know it's like you don't want to be that parent you mm -hmm. got to you have to shut the fuck up, go into Disney World, and give the kids everything that they want. Because yeah. then they're going to get a sugar cr crash when they, like, eat all those, like, caramel apples and, and like, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse-shaped pretzels and shit. Mm -hmm. They're going to have, like, a sugar crash, and they're going to, like, going to be dead by the end of, like, uh, of like 12 like twelve o'clock noon. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you can just, like, bring them along, and they'll just, like, not really even be... They'll be asleep on the... On, like, the... Uh, the Little Mermaid ride around like six o'clock or something, and then you can, as a parent, kind of just enjoy it. And then when you are tired as a parent, you can just bring them back to the the hotel. Yeah, because you don't have enough energy as a parent as either. So that's the whole plan mm -hmm. of having kids, and we do this not just because the kids want to do it. We do it because as a parent, we do need some juvenile. I'm not a parent at all, but I mean, as a parent, you do need some juvenile behavior. To, to ch channel, you know, some actions that you really want to like, you want to use your child yeah. as a, as like a means to kind of live through them, well, you know? I don't think you should, I don't think you should be a parent if you're, if you're not able to like get into a childish side of yourself. Yeah, if you can't even appreciate the childishness of like some, something like Halloween or yeah. Disney World, you shouldn't even be a parent at all. Yeah. You as a parent have no say at all because you want the kids to to experience life mm -hmm. and create a, a, a mind of its own and use this time to develop it and have fun and learn from mistakes and do all you know you that's what you need to do as a parent. But that's why you only have tiny little pockets of time to do that. And that's what Halloween is. Mm -hmm. Halloween is just kind of like we want to give – these kids are going to hate the, their lives after eating all this candy and having the worst fucking morning, like, did aftertaste you, Did you after eat that. all of your candy? Well, it's like it, you can't eat it all in one night, obviously. Right. But, you know, it's like, yeah, you have to, like – Because what would happen with me 
because my birthday is literally just a week after Halloween. Mm -hmm. I'd eat a bun as much candy as I could that one night. And then my mom would take the rest of my candy and put in the pinata for my birthday party. <laughs> That's genius. Yeah. That's great. Your mom is like really smart, dude. <laughs> no, that's, well that, that's, well we, like obviously you don't want to eat all your candy and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but that's what you have to learn as a kid is that you don't even want to have all that candy at all. Yeah. You just have, you just go through all that, have a crazy dopamine rush until you crash and you hate it. And then you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like not even like as much about the candy. It's more about just seeing how much candy you can get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just more about like the, the adventure, the journey, the mm -hmm. friends that you make. Yeah. Going right. out with your friends and yeah. And, and that's what movies are when it comes to horror films, mm -hmm. you know, and when it comes to just kid, like children's films. Um, but nowadays, you know, we got a bunch of parents who don't want to have like, who don't want to have their kids like scared of the like boogeyman underneath the bed and yeah. scared of the monsters in the closet when that is what makes kids tough. You know, and that's what yeah. makes kids, you need to have the horror element in movies to and I think create there's... character. Yeah, I think there's like, I think there's probably a line that I, like, I think I definitely experienced this as a kid where you'd see stuff and it was definitely too scary for you as a kid. Yeah. But then you see stuff and it's like scary, but it's like cool scary. Yeah, it's more, it, that's what Gremlins is. Gremlins yeah. is the perfect, like, kids horror film, I think, yeah. in my opinion. And, and I, I fucking didn't know about Gremlins. I mean, I knew about Gremlins, but I never watched Gremlins until this this past summer. And it's like one of my favorite films now. Like, I I've, I genuinely just think it's great because it's not based on any type of like cheap, you know, cheap thrills like gore and mm -hmm. and like uh and and just like body horror or anything like that. It's more just based on like using cinema and using the art of cinema to create tension and to create uh more imaginative like images in our mind yeah. and that's also something that Five Nights at Freddy's does mm -hmm. which a lot of people were just like super like disappointed in yeah. like they were like oh it wasn't even that scary at all I'm like dude it's a fucking PG-13 movie yeah and not only was it PG-13 they did a really great job at not being hokey uh, in a way that I thought they would where they would be doing jump scares like every second or something. Yeah, no, I'm glad they're, I'm glad the jump scares were a gag with yeah. Balloon Boy. They did a little Balloon Boy gag. Also, Balloon Boy's new design was really weird. Yeah. Like, he had the really big teeth and it was like, but it was like, they were more just kind of playing on the fact is like, we have this idea of like, the horror in Five Nights at Freddy's is all jump scared. And we're just going to play on the fact that that is kind of what they're known for. Mm -hmm. When I think maybe Scott Cawthon and whoever else wrote the movie with him probably wanted to like make the horror a little bit different. You know, after a while, they kind of, of just, in the Finites of Freddy's universe, they, after a while, they started realizing they don't even like the jump scares. Because the jump scares are just a means for a death screen. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And... It, it was cheap spooks at, at first, and it worked for kids, and it definitely worked for us, but yeah. after a while, we kind of grow up, and we kind of like find that the jump scares are just tedious, and they make jokes about it in the games, and now they're making jokes about it in the movies, and I think it works out really well when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the, the movie's horror, because, uh, I mean, 
you're bringing in a new audience and you also just kind of want to prove that you're not a, like a, a sellout like all other horror franchises that you know you're trying to like just more be um, hor horrifying based off of like uh, the haunting feeling and the terror and, and the tension and and things that are more effective at horror yeah. than just you know cheeks cheap scares and they kind of wanted to reinstate that but for some reason Although we already, you know, in a world where we already know that s jump scares are really hokey and stupid, mm -hmm. for some reason people wanted there to be jump scares in this just because yeah. the, the video games did it. And it's like, we... And you, like, I feel like these people got to understand that if there were jump scares, they weren't going to be satisfying jump scares. Yeah. You it, weren't going to actually get, like, you weren't going to feel that feeling that you're, that you would feel playing a game and getting jump scared. Yeah. Well, my, my only other con uh, was the lack of, like, Foxy running. <laughs> he kind of just zooms. He, he kind of rolls. Uh, do you want to get into theory time? Let's get into theory. Theory time. Um, theory time. Yeah. Theory time. Woo. It's just a theory time. So I have the... Theory uh, time. I got the top three... It's theory time. Time to theorize. So right here I got the top three theories mm -hmm. going around the internet about this movie um, okay. and the, the evidence for these theories. We, we obviously had a, a lore change in this movie because uh, it turns out uh, Vanessa is, the is William Afton's daughter, which, I mean... Honestly, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Considering that she's Vanny, so the word on the street is that Mike's dad is actually Henry Emily. Oh. And the evidence for this is beards. Um, <laughs> beards. So <laughs> when they go to the picnic scene, Mike's dad. He has a beard. He has a beard. Yeah. In the uh, the comics. In the um. No, in the the instructional video that he watches, the oh. guy in the back working on the animatronic. Oh, you don't really see him, but he kind of looks like he could be the same actor, and he's got a beard. Mm -hmm. That's that's all the evidence. But in terms of this like lore changing, it would make sense. Also, a lot of people were talking about how um, when they were doing the instructional like video, they were saying that. Um, well, a big problem is that like they only said the owner of the franchise. Yeah. They were talking singular, but I don't think that's a big issue. I think it was kind of like that was foreseen because I don't think that Henry Emily has ever been an owner of the franchise. I think he's always been the technician mm -hmm. and the animatronic expert. Yeah, and that the business side has always been William Afton. So this still leaves room. I think people bringing up the fact that uh, that woman said one singular mm -hmm. owner. That doesn't throw any uh, mon yeah. monkeys into the wrench. <laughs> yeah, as the classic saying goes. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of the only evidence for that theory. But it's, I don't know. Because they, they do kind of leave a mysterious thing in terms of Mike's past. Yeah. Considering, like, his mom dies. We don't know what his mom dies of. Yes. And then, it, and then his dad leaves. 
and we don't we like it's assumed just because of grief because of the mom died yeah but who but. knows there could be other reasons and i feel like that's something that was so that was pointed out and then left intentionally vague so that i feel like they're gonna explore that in sequels and i feel I, like yeah yeah i don't I, yeah i feel like henry emily could I, be I want Henry Emily to be in this because... I feel like you can't not have Henry Emily in this. Exactly. Exactly. I was about to say, because the thing is, is that this whole this whole franchise is based off of a, uh, a long... It, it's just... The whole story is basically... Because, um, you know, uh, Scott is a Christian man. Mm-hmm. It's just basically about the fight between good and evil. Is yeah. all it is, and you have one man become being the good, the god, uh, who's Henry Emily. Not to mm-hmm. say he's actually God or anything, but he's the god of the, uh, the, um, he is the god of the animatronics in some way, and then the fallen angel being uh, Satan, who is William Afton, who, yeah. who started out on the good side but then fell, and that's just a tale as old as time. Yeah. Every single story always has to have that Star Wars being basically the the biggest one um, do I really want to have prequels about uh, William Afton you don't have to have that no. but I feel like I think just because Henry Emily is such a big part of the lore yes and I but I un, I also understand why he wasn't in this movie specifically because I feel like if you throw in another thing about a rivalry there's like I feel like there's just no place for Henry Emily in this story. You don't bring Yoda until the until Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I just I don't think he would have. I don't think there was a reason to have him be in this movie. Well, but I think if you go into the sequel, the sequel is where you expand the lore, you offer backstory to different characters, and I think Henry Emily is a big part of that backstory to especially William Afton. Yeah, and and. Also, when it comes to just storytelling, the what is more important than the main character mm-hmm. is just the the stakes and the um, the the antagonist alone. Because whatever makes an action movie, like the most, what makes an action movie is the villain, right? Mm-hmm. What makes any movie is the villain, really. Mm-hmm. Whatever, what makes any story is the villain and and uh, the the antagonizing energy to whatever is going to be good but whatever is good is usually set up after they set up what the bad guy is you know so usually they set up in horror movies and that's what was really great about the structure of this film making it kind of uh, as classic as any other horror film we kind of already talked about this a bit okay but abby is a robot (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that was just kind of like a fun little idea but it also just fits with the the books yeah stories, the, we, the, per- the, the evidence that i the- have from the movie that people have been citing is the guitar bit when she hits the guitar electrical oh, yeah. explosion and then she's kind of fine like yeah yeah it's yeah. kind of people were relating it to when mike tasers the animatronics they're disabled for a second but they will and then they up. get back yeah. up um and then the fact that she's just she seems to be the only one in this story that talks to the animatronics. Yeah, well, I don't know if that has anything... The talking to the animatronics, I don't know if that has more to do with uh, how their children mm-hmm. and souls in there. Yeah. And it's just kind of like child's... Chil- like children just 
talk mm -hmm. among each other and but, or maybe it is the fact that she is animatronic but I do know that she probably is the animatronic just because of uh, well the I think the guitar one is actually a, like a evidence I didn't even think of that's mm -hmm. actually pretty good but also the fact that like in the books Abby's character kind of resembles a lot of Charlie's character in well, the and if you eyes. we're or going off the theory that uh, Henry Emily is the father Abby's father yeah there you go. Oh my god! Ugh. The biggest difference between the games and the movies is the fact that only Vanessa is, well, right now, the only, like, Afton. Afton right now. Besides William. Oh, no shit. Fucking yeah. shit, man. Um, but if Michael turns out to be uh, Henry Emily's son, well, that throws my fucking theory out the window of how the second one would end. Out the window. Well, I mean, nothing's confirmed here. Obviously Anything not. Happen. But it also just fits a little bit cleaner because, you know, I, I like how... I, I get where, they're, where they would be going with this because it fits cleaner in the sense that Michael has always been on the, the, the light side. Mm -hmm. And Vanny or Vanessa is more just kind of like a person who just is born into the dark side and wants to get out. Yeah. Know? But then that brings the question of if they do go along with the um, Henry Emily being Michael Af Michael Schmidt Mike Schmidt's uh, father, who on the 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 light side is going to cross over onto the dark side? Because mm. usually that's like a, a very a very well used trope in movies that you mm -hmm. always have to do, and like they already got Vanny being the cross to the other side. But um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Who, who I feel like. That'd be pretty interesting if Abby turns out to kind of be like, um, like Abby was originally Henry Emily's daughter, and mm -hmm. then he made. Well, like, it makes a sense also because Abby being created at like just in response to the loss of Garrett. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like they. I mean, yeah, there. That's a. Is that a theory? Is that a theory that you have there or anything? How what? like how she was created in the response to Garrett? Well, I think that's part of just the Abby is a robot. Yeah, maybe. Theory. Well, I was thinking that maybe Abby was originally just born and then she died by a baby mm. or something, and then they cre recreated her into a robot. Mm. And that's something that they do in the the books, and it's a big jump the shark moment if they do that in the films. But yeah. that's just kind of part of the lore, so I don't know what to say. Obviously, the sequel. They're they're gonna be introducing probably some new or new like new characters from the games, um, but we got a we got a theory here that um, Garrett is the puppet. Oh, I mean that makes a lot of sense. Well, cause the evidence is that, um, well, okay, so there's the fact that the puppet will probably be in the second one. That's just kind of given. I feel like yeah, because of the FNAF two parallel. Yeah, there. and also it's just that's just a major character from the lore. Yeah, and that's kind of like the Yoda thing. Yeah, and the fact that it's Gary, I people, I I don't know if this is real, but people, I feel like I've I've seen like in the background there's a photo of Garrett and like their whole family, and he has like a striped shirt on. Um. But at the end credits, there's the puppet music box going. 
and and then it spells out come find me yeah yeah, yeah and the, yeah, 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 yeah. the one that goes missing is garrett yes exactly so but that does that serve the ending of the first one good though like does that do it justice because the ending of the first one is it it ends with his, michael accepting that his his younger brother died and mm-hmm. that he has to he has new garrett he has <laughs> he has he has girl garrett yeah, yeah. um but it's like it, it it's a pretty great ending um when it comes to just kind of accepting the death of like a of a of, of a loved one you know it's usually just like a really great way to just have a good arc for a character very kind of easy in some ways for writing but um, yeah but i think it's it's just gonna if he's gotten over it yeah because this whole time he wanted to like solve the murder yeah and he's gotten over it so i think it would just more make him upset if garrett came back like i, I think there's still good tension to come like i don't think he'd necessarily be happy if mm. garrett came back maybe garrett is the uh the crossover villain. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Garrett's character because the puppet definitely does always, you know, come at you in the second game. Maybe if the second movie, let's say, is setting up, like, is established as, oh, I'm Michael, Af- I'm Michael Schmidt, and I mm-hmm. have to solve all these problems that William Afton has done because I uncovered it in the first movie. Now the second movie is me having to, you know, fix all these different problems, and he goes to this other establishment, and now there's like there's new. There's new, uh, you know, uh, obstacles to, you know, have to deal with. And one of them is this toy box that he has to keep wound up all the time. And then the, the, the puppet, like, jumps out after him. Maybe there's, like, a moment where he could be, like, you know, he, like, knows who's behind the, the puppet or something mm-hmm. like that. Even though it is Elizabeth, Emily. Right. But if he is part of the Emily family, Garrett could be a replacement yeah. for Elizabeth. Um, and... And it makes a lot of sense because that um, William Afton being the person who actually took Garrett in the uh, at the camp, mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, well, it's kind of like what's the reason? Well, what's the reason that he took this one kid in Nebraska and now he's where's the movie set? Like Ohio or something? I think it's also in uh, like a flyover state like that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like think- so why. I feel like it's too much of a coincidence. It's supposed to be in Utah. That's like where the games are, but mm. I don't think they would move all the way to Utah and then it just coincidentally, yeah, like William. Well, Atkins I feel like it's too much there. of a coincidence to not be for them to not be connected to the Emily family. Yeah, or him to have not have a previous vendetta against this family. Yeah, and well, that, that's why I think the other movies are going to be like setting up more about like what happened between Emily mm-hmm. and and Afton's. It just it gets so muddled having to do these theories and using something that is not even completely connected to the actual canon of the yeah. movie to figure it out. And that's kind of why, you know, people make literal like reputations at, and and like careers <laughs> options out of just theorizing about this video game yeah. series. So, I don't know. I I I can't I mean, there's, there's a lot of ideas coming out of us right now, you know? Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to speculate on for the sequel? I don't know, man. Do you want the Faz gang to show up to Mike's house? or like, we need you back. <laughs> <laughs> anything for my family. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, man. I think... 
I, I don't know what to take out of this this um this movie review. I mean, I kind of do. I kind of have some like uh, I kind of learned something along the way of this uh, five-hour movie review that we just did. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm gonna have to edit the shit out of. Just um, just put it at like two times speed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we learned a lot about podcast making, but I think what I learned about with this movie. Um, is just, is that there is hope. Mm-hmm. There is hope, but I don't think a lot of the world are, is going to like it. Yeah. But there is some hope of of understanding how to make a good video game movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. God there's hope for that. But it, it, it seems to me like that, like I don't know a lot of video game movies, but um, it seems to me like this, has to be like probably the best video game movie to ever be created, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not super familiar with video. I didn't even see the Mario movie. Me neither. I saw. I heard it was like. I heard it was like cool if you're a fan, and fine if you don't know everything. Yeah, for me, it, like Mario, I. I mean, I saw those video games. To me, were just yeah. Like, I'm trying to. I mean, I watched more. Like Mortal Kombat was bad. Of both of them. There's, there's two. <laughs> well, there is, like... I mean, I've only seen the first of, like, those original ones. Because there's the original, like, two movies. I saw the first one. It was, like, fun. It's, like... Honestly, it is kind of a fun movie, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, and then the second, like, the recent modern one I saw, and that was just bad. Was this a, there was a modern Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat? It came out, like, a couple years ago. Oh. Um, huh. Yeah. And it was, it was weird and bad. Um, but... And and in terms of video games, the only other thing I've seen is like the Sonic movies. Are those good? Uh, they're fun. They're fun. Hey, that's exactly why I don't know I don't how really accurate know. they are to the games. Yeah. but they're fun. That's why. That's exactly why I don't really have a big like want to watch this like the Mario movie. Mm-hmm. Is because those are just games where I could give less of a shit about the the stories at all. Like yeah. they're just like fun stories and everything, and they don't really have like really a, an impact on my life. I played the Sonic games. I, I played Super Mario games, but it was just, I played them so half-assedly. Like, I just kind of didn't really care if I didn't finish it or not. You know what uh, video game movies I do like? What? Did you know that they turn Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga into a whole yeah. uh, franchise of movies? I think I know that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. Isn't it called um, Star Wars? Yeah. Dude, that's crazy, dude. <laughs> I the only other franchise uh, that that is that was made off of a video game series is, that I know of. I never watched any of them, but what, it's uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, there's so many of those. There's so many of them, and also I I heard it's just like a, it branched off into its own little thing. Yeah, like cause wasn't it like. It had the first Resident Evil movie was based off of the first Resident Evil game or something. I don't know anything about Resident Evil. I don't know either. I don't know who this resident is. I don't know why he's so evil. Yeah. I don't know anything about Resident Evil, but what I've seen from the gameplay and what I've seen from the movie, they look like completely different things. Yeah. Because I see the gameplay and it looks like they have like different characters every game. And then when I see the movie, it's like they had one idea in the first movie, and then they just kept on making more and more, and mm-hmm. it just has become this like crazy, new like uh, 
this crazy different world uh, that is so different from the the, the games. Mm-hmm. And I heard they suck. Oh, I've seen scenes of it, and it sucks. It looks so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so stupid. And um, I don't know. Like, I don't know a lot about video game movies. A lot of them always fail, and they always flop. And and seeing how a lot of people are reacting to the Finance of Freddy's one, I actually question if the ones that flop are actually that bad. Yeah. Because it seems to me like a lot of people that just play these video games are kind of like... Stephen King fans when The Shining came out. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's not like the fucking video games or like it's not like the books or something like that. And I personally just, I don't see well, the complaining. I think we there. might just be maybe in a era of good video game adaptations. Because like people like Mario. Yeah. FNAF was good. And now there's Last the, of Us was Last really solid. Us and the Witcher series are going to be, are like really great. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I heard The Witcher, like, the season one is good. and then I heard that, too. I, I, I think that's great to hear about video game movies and in in, in shows and all that. And I, it sounds really great. I, I, all I care about when it comes to video games is just FNAF. Yeah. So uh, I have no really, like, say in, say in, like, how, like, how every video game movie does but i think the fnaf movie did fine yeah and i yeah i don't think i don't think making lots of money yeah and you know what good it's like the fucking difference between like the popularity vote and the uh, electoral college vote where it's yeah. like it's kind of like i feel like fnaf is like a a presidential candidate <laughs> that like didn't get the popularity vote, mm-hmm. but it did win the uh, like the electoral college vote, and I'm just happy that that happened because that means that he's gonna be coming for another term, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that's like how I view this whole scenario, where it's just kind of like, man, that sucks to hear that no one else liked my presidential candidate that I liked, but at but least that's he's not the win. case though, because he, everyone that I've talked to, like save a couple people, yeah, everyone that I talked to. If they if they like FNAF and you ask them well, what did you think of the movie they're like oh I love the movie yeah well it's just yeah there's like there's just a couple of people every now and then who just like are adamant about it being horrible and I and then we talk about it and I'm like what's so wrong with this these things that you're yeah. saying you know I had a lot of fun watching it we had enough fun to make this podcast yeah and well we definitely always wanted to make this podcast but um take that. what did you think of the FNAF movie and don't forget to like and subscribe and you know what what should they ring huh what should they ring ring the the oh the the bell notification yeah